What's up, guys? We're back. Thanks for listening. Last episode, uh, we learned about Aristotle, and I'm going to admit I rushed it. The basis of what I wanted to take away from Aristotle was a few ideas. First of all, character begins with habituation. If you don't force yourself into developing new habits, you'll never reach the character you're striving for. The reason we got to develop new habits is because of the way we've been conditioned. Without developing these habits, our old habits are bound to live on. Our character isn't just habituation, though. That's just the beginning. After your life normalized, you need to hold yourself in a good state. In order to do this, we must pay attention to our surroundings, our desires, and our impulses. Second, Aristotle talked about virtue theory. Aristotle believed virtue was the mean point between excess and deficiency. For example, it's clear for us alcoholics and addicts that we've indulged in excess far too much, leaving our ability to remain abstinence incredibly lacking. Developing this habit of abstinence is the beginning. Choosing abstinence because you know what you want out of life and you can envision consequences is the deeper etching of your character. That's what Aristotle is talking about when mentioning hexes, full reasoned control, presence, mindfulness in what you're actually doing. You're not just doing it to do it or doing it because you have to. This is a good thing. Often when talking to a lot of people who have been to jail a lot, they'll always tell me about how they quit smoking cigarettes in, in jail and they read a lot in jail. But the problem is this is kind of how it's set up and how it's supposed to be. They aren't choosing to do this because of it's the good thing to do. It's just what they're left with. That's why when people get out of jail after six months without a cigarette, they still smoke a cigarette right when they get out. Right? Proper ambition is in the middle of too much ambition and not enough ambition. Courage is between reckless and cowardice. Truthfulness is between mock modesty and boastfulness. You guys see there's a mean to this. Aristotle believed in investing in these virtues made your life better and your soul more in a state of equilibrium. Now, a lot of people will think this doesn't work. What I always suggest to these people or ask these people is how hard have you been trying? How long have you been trying to set up new habits? How long have you been trying to fix your life? And if it's four months or six months, what do you expect to happen that quickly? Aristotle, like most philosophers, just wanted you to think and act according to the right thinking, and you know what the right thinking is. Before taking action, analyze why you're doing what you're doing, and this is what's going to lead you to a better life. The alternative is acting unconsciously, and we all know where that takes us. Philosophers can help addicts and alcoholics because, as you guys can see, just look up Dr. Daniel Amen and his clinic. When we get to treatment, we've been putting stuff in our body that limits blood flow to the brain or certain areas in the brain, leaving us less able to think. When we begin to think more and we stop putting these substances in our body, our brain receives more activity and grows. Either way, when Alexander the Great died, I forgot to talk about this last episode, Macedonia was after Aristotle and he just dipped. You know, it, he he said he wouldn't let Athens sin against philosophy again, and he left. And this was him referencing Socrates, right? I think he died on his mother's property. 
Here's the crazy thing. Right around this time, there were other philosophers preaching wisdom that would influence the world forever. Now we're going to go east and check out some Chinese philosophers. Now, there's a few things I want to begin this with, and that's I am still not good at recording this stuff. I still haven't figured out how to cut audio and edit it right, so I'm doing these from start to finish, and in this episode, I'm even going to introduce a short little audio clip and see how it works. But today, we're talking about Lao Tzu. You'll hear his name pronounced differently and spelled differently all over the place. Lao Tzu, Lao Tzu, Lao Tzu, Lazy, whatever. I'm just calling him how it's spelled here. Let me reiterate something I discussed as we went over Socrates. Everything we have gotten from these thinkers is translated. And most of these Greek philosophers were writing in Latin, and Latin was easier to translate because most language derived from it. This isn't the same is this isn't the case with these Chinese philosophers. It's entirely different. Chinese characters are symbols and aren't even read like we read normally. So the translations are kind of iffy. And also, Chinese writing is the oldest continuously used system of writing in the world. What I'm trying to say here is give me a break. The good thing is many truths from these teachers are incredibly simple. Oh yeah, and to confuse you even more, we aren't even sure this guy was real. He may never have existed. His name translates to old master, and he could be more of a symbol than anything. But for the sake of the story, and the ease of communicating his ideas, we'll just assume he's 100% real. The story goes a little something like this. It's the Zhou dynasty, right? And Zhou, again, Zhou is Z-H-O-U, okay? The Zhou Dynasty existed from 1046 BCE to 256 BCE for like 800 years. Think about how long that was, like over 3,000 years ago. This was the longest lasting dynasty. During this period, which was 575-ish to 475-ish BCE, right in the middle of the Zhou Dynasty, existed Lao Tzu. He was a record keeper. And... I don't know about you guys, but for me, I've always heard more about Confucius. I think it was just because Confucius had funny quotes and, you know, if you sit on pot, you're high on pot or whatever. I would always get that from clients. But Lao Tzu was a record keeper that Confucius consulted many times and and lavishly praised. This kind of establishes Lao Tzu as a senior contemporary to Confucius. There was a historian in the Han Dynasty between like 206 and 220 BC um, who basically did a biography of Lao Tzu as much as he could and learned that Lao Tzu had devoted himself to learning, no outward praise at all. After being in Zhou for so long, he started to see its decline and he wanted to leave. This was the Warring States period in China. As he was leaving, though, he was stopped by an official at the border who asked him to write down lessons. He recognized him. Resulting from this was the Tao Te Ching, or also known as the Tao Te Ching. It's, and this is something that hopefully can give you guys a better idea of. When you hear Tao, when you hear Tao, 
we're talking about the same thing. Taoism and Taoism is the same thing. And through from this Tao Te Ching is where this religion or philosophy or whatever you want you want to call it derived from. This book of five thousand ish Chinese characters, the Tao Te Ching, right? The Tao is the path. It's all it's everything. Sometimes it's depicted as water. The book kind of translates it to the way of virtue. We should leave it at that. Because according to them, the Tao is nameless. It cannot be described. It transcends sensory experience. I like to think of it as flow, easiness. It's hard to describe, but I know when I'm in it. And I think a lot of athletes do as well. Of course, this isn't just according to me. To me, it's it's a coherence, if that makes sense. Anyway, according to Lao Tzu, naming anything limits it. And we'll talk about that a lot. Labels are bad. I do have an issue with <coughs> calling yourself an alcoholic and addict forever. Um, and it's not. And I see the benefit in doing so, the reminder of doing so. But I also see issues with people in meetings all the time saying stuff like, well, if I relapse, I won't, I won't make it back. And I think this is setting the subconscious plant that when we do relapse, we just have already set up the story in our head. Either way, I'm going off track. Elsewhere in the text, Lao Tzu says Tao is the beginning of all things. <clears throat> in some kind of unity of multiplicity, Tao gives birth to one, two to three, etc. <coughs> Excuse me. I like to think Tao was left by Lao Tzu as nothingness for a reason. He knew that describing it put limits or constraints on its interpretation. The idea of a creator god with certain attributes wasn't right to him. It was more like a force or no force. More of a blend? I don't know. You can interpret it. This is good for a lot of people struggling with the idea of God. <clears throat> I hope that through this series, you can realize that throughout human history, we've conceptualized things differently. These ways of seeing things have helped us tremendously. I do believe there's a requ requirement in believing in something greater than yourself in order to stay sober. I just don't believe it needs to be traditional God. And thank God in AA and most recovery centers this is one message that's preached pretty clearly anyway <clears throat> chinese tradition basically comes <coughs> in part from lao Tzu. he represents the Tao as the essential energy or one which produces that yin yang symbol i'm sure you thought we were getting to it the yin and the yang principle probably predated lao Tzu. In essence, it's saying that all things exist as inseparable and contradictory opposite forces that unify in order to favor movement and change, right? So yin would be darkness, water, and intuition, ability to nurture life. It's more this feminine energy. And yang is more like momentum, fire, expansion, and stuff like that. Many others, you can, I mean, according to Lao Tzu, you can fit everything into yin or yang. But they change into one another. Either way, for all intents and purposes, though, we're going to focus more on yin and yang psychologically and how we have been conditioned 
harms us. First is alcoholics and addicts, our vision is sort of limited to absolute terms. We've spent years seeing the world as black and white. People are just good guys or bad guys, emotional or logical, happy or sad. If you contradict me, you're persecuting me. And, you know, here's a big one. If you're not with me, then you're against me. Here's a hint. That's why you feel so alone. I think the main thing we need to take away from yin and yang symbology is perception. If you guys have listened to me at all, you know the way you think influences the way you feel. Most bad things that occurred in my life allowed me to change and become better. Carl Jung, who I'm a huge fan of, and someone who helped to a degree with the big book, dedicated his life in part to this idea. We live in a fucking contradiction. We were all born complete, but consciously and unconsciously, we deny parts of ourselves. I mean, seriously. Look at ourselves, okay? We consider ourselves happy, but we feel hopeless hours later. We can be active, but still struggle with laziness. I mean, don't you love and hate people at the same time? Physiologically, the, mo- the emotions aren't that different. You can be logical for months on end, only to throw it all out for some unknown reason. Here's a good one. You cannot want to drink or get high and end up drunk or high. I see this all the time. Especially with men in treatment, we hide our yin or our feminine energy. This side is more sensible and emotional, intuitive, nurturing. You can imagine or just reflect on what happens when you're sad in life, but you're conditioned to be a tough guy. You just cause problems. Men think anger is okay and sadness isn't. When sadness might be the thing that actually unlocks the door to freedom. I've talked about this before. After clients get through their withdrawal and they have the energy to feel the effects of their actions, often they break down. Like I literally used to smile when people would break down like this because this would always lead to positive things. But if they're crying and they say they see crying as being a bitch, then they double down on being a hard ass and they dig their hole deeper. (coughs) Often what we really need is to nurture ourselves to communicate honestly, to let our emotions flow through us without attempting to avoid them. All of this is the job of the part of you that as a man, you were taught made you weak. Not engaging with these parts of you that are begging to tell the truth. The parts of you that want to cry. The parts of you that want to be real. Not engaging with these parts fuels the contradictions within you and perpetuates this cycle of misery. The reason it's good to start changing your perceptions to be more in accordance with the yin and the yang is because it removes you from seeing the world as black and white. That squiggly line down the center of the circle is meant to remind you that life is not static. You could be doing everything right and tragedy could still hit. It makes me think of a J.R.R. Tolkien quote, and this isn't in my outline, so hopefully I get it right. And he says something like, it does not make sense not to plan for a dragon when you live near one. And this is the point, right? Like, you do live near a dragon. He lives within you. Accept him. Integrate him. Right? 
this display of duality is found in many traditions, right? It makes sense. You got to understand for a long time before humans even had language, night went to day, happy went to sad, back and forth, pain, pleasure, masculine, feminine. These opposites, you know, to early humans is what gave sense to life. And it still today is what gives sense to life. I mean, seriously, imagine being comfortable for a few hours or maybe even a day. At some point, being comfortable is going to lead you to discomfort. Like a lot of this stuff is like, they seem to come and go like waves on a beach. Yin and yang shows us that when we deny the tides coming in and out, we're denying our nature when we're not integrating certain parts of ourselves. And this leads to suffering. I can't tell you how true this is. Taking a yin and yang perception, cultivating it will allow you to handle hard moments and see them as opportunities to grow instead of moments to change the way you feel. This is what many spiritual teachers and therapists alike call a coherence. It's like nothing is fighting within you any longer. Those parts of you are accepted. <clears throat> Isn't this the first fucking step? When we don't accept things, we can't deal with them properly. This isn't just true with addicts and alcoholics in step one. This happens in life all the time. Seriously, think of different religions and how they make sex taboo, right? Just Google this shit. This leads to so many young people believing their natural sexual desires are wrong. They suppress them and they create a contradiction within themselves. And then they never know how to have healthy sexual relationships. And in many cases end up doing fucking horrific shit. Seriously, think of marriages that don't accept sometimes you fight and hate each other. That's all good. If you deny that fact, then you go from relationship to relationship, never finding someone to truly challenge you and grow with you and build a life with you. Think of the fucking D.A.R.E. program telling kids how bad all these drugs are instead of educating them with the reality that teenagers will use drugs and drink. They deny the fact that we all have parts of our lives where we want to change the, feel, the way we feel. And we all know how that worked. Dare made things worse. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I, I truly believe that human beings have an innate need to change their consciousness. I talk about this all the time with toddlers. Man, my four-year-old niece spins in circles constantly. And I ask her why. And she goes, it makes me feel funny. We have things in us that... We want to change the way we feel. And if we're denying that, I mean, seriously, think of all these addicts in treatment who say, I'm never going to get high again. This literally perpetuates an almost unconscious assumption that they aren't going to want to get high. And this leaves them more unprepared for that moment when they want to, because they aren't accepting that within them. Right? Plan for that fucking dragon. <clears throat> I hope this is a good short lesson on changing your perceptions to fit reality. If you're more interested in this idea, focus on it for months, read about it, integrate it into your life. Next, though, I want to talk about Lao Tzu's concept of Wu Wei. Wu Wei means non-action, right? But it doesn't mean total non-action. It basically translates broadly as against any form of action characterized by self-serving desire. Essentially, Stop trying to change so much shit and just be, right? That's what's going to allow your mind to deal with reality. The more you let your mind deal with reality, 
the more your mind grows so as you can handle reality. Every time reality hits you and hurts you and you run from it, you're less likely to be able to deal with it in the future. So, <coughs> if you guys know anything about Robert Downey Jr., heroin addict, cocaine addict, lots of public troubles, end up getting sober, getting sober in like fucking 08 or something. I don't remember exactly, but he's been sober for a while now and found all of his success afterwards. So I wanted to play a little video I show from for people all the time where Robert Downey actually discusses Wu Wei. Here he is. This is a video from Mulligan Brothers on YouTube, a great motivation channel. It's only six minutes long, so go ahead and listen. Always know what your action is because then when you come in in the morning confident or when you come in in the morning and you can't hit your ass with both hands, you know what to do.
what did they say? Uh, faster alone, further together? How can you possibly hope to stop me? Like the old man said, together. Sometimes you can only think about further because you gotta get downfield. Other times you're thinking, hey, this is my moment to run and I need, I need a little help and a little approval and I need a little leeway, but that's any creative endeavor. It's easy to embrace hopelessness when things seem insurmountable. It's actually just a matter of time until all of the elements come together for things to be all right. I mean, I, I believe that, you know, most difficult situations will resolve themselves if you are persistent and if you don't, if you don't uh, give up entirely. And that's what I never did. I never gave up. I ran those six or eight lines I had a thousand times lying in bed over and 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 over again. It was one little mosaic after the next and, and it was a piece of work I was doing. And I cared about doing it as professionally and as honestly as I could. At this point in my life and being, you know, kind of middle-aged and all that, well, I know I'm going to fly around the world and I'm going to sell some soap. And I know I have a new project and I know I've just retired my jersey on this 12-year journey I've been on. And, uh, and how do I want to start? And, and it came up, how would you like it? I go, yes, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go have the Joe Rogan experience and, and kick off this year and this season and this new chapter by doing what I love, which is a, an interview as we're looking at each other and it's, there's a give and take. I, I went to rehab and I stayed in the same room that Robert Downey Jr. stayed in. He became my idol because of Iron Man and what he did with his career. I made him my mentor without him even knowing about it. He wrote on a cork board in McCallum Hall, I am here with you all. Where is your heart? It's easy to believe that things are gathering momentum and going into a negative place. I mean, I think human nature can tend to be a little bit uh, critical of itself. Sometimes you just got to go, yeah, you know, I effed up. I just took full advantage of it. I mean, you know, even though it, it wasn't the end of, of my struggle, you know, I made the best use of that time that I could because they say if you don't do the time, the time will do you. You earn eight cents an hour? What's humbling is to um, is to have to live your life for some reason that is yet to be explained to me by by God in, in such a public way when so much of it is so humiliating and embarrassing. So by the time I got into prison, it wasn't like, wow, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. You know, it was it was an extension of things being miserable. It's just incredible. Our culture never encourages taking a break, never encourages saying, don't chase that thing. And why does our culture never encourage not chasing that thing? Because we're embracing too much yang energy. Right? We think success and happiness is, and peace is how we've perceived it our whole life. But the problem is, is that perception led us to being miserable. How much of your life would be fixed by not acting according to your own self-serving desires? This is incredibly difficult because most of it's unconscious. And you need to be aware you are always acting, talking, and moving with some intention. When we're trying to change the external, we're denying what is. Again, 
This denying certain parts of reality instead of integrating them. It reminds me of a Marcus Aurelius quote who we're going to get to, where he says, the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. Normally, what we're doing is we're acting to avoid. Marcus Aurelius suggested acting by integrating what we are avoiding. He's not saying don't act, and Wu Wei isn't saying don't act. Don't act with self-serving desire. When Robert Downey talks about maintenance, he's saying, look, do the thing, those things that you always know you should do, right? Like, what do you want right now that you know you're going to want when you're 70? Good memories with family and your kids. You're going to want health. You want it now and you want it, and you're going to want it then. Love. <clears throat> these are, these where I love when he says, where's your heart? Take a step back. Where's your heart? What do you really want? Wu Wei shows us that Lao Tzu knew life was a contradiction. Instead of trying to like reconcile these contradictions, he flowed them together and let them be. What if you did that in your life? Lastly, Lao Tzu had four cardinal rules, really. And I want to go over them because they are perfect for addicts and alcoholics. And I think the the first one is important because we have such a great perspective if we are deploying it correctly. And what I mean by that is we've been to hell. I spend a lot of time remembering where I came from. Remembering where I was at my worst a lot of time and that automatically gives me Lao Tzu's first cardinal rule a reverence for life right when we live with a reverence for life we kind of surrender this need to control it you know it's like and I'm not saying you can go outside and automatically you're going to love trees and you're going to love the sun but you can start practicing it you can start practicing going outside and saying, hey, this is nice. I'm not withdrawing. I'm not sick. I do have, you know, bills that I can actually pay today. <clears throat> Lao Tzu said, kindness in words creates confidence. Kindness in thinking creates profundity. Kindness in giving creates love. Kindness in living. Like, look, just walking around with some sort of gratitude this reverence for life is gratitude and this is why it's pushed so much in aa i say it all the time a grateful heart never drinks lao Tzu's second cardinal rule was honest sincerity like when we're sincere and we act with integrity we're more we're more likely to move towards peace and tranquility because we're dealing with reality. We're not talking about other things. The virtue is honesty. It's about being true to yourself and walking to your talk, right? If you guys are interested in any of this, I think a really good guy who discusses Taoism is Wayne Dyer. You know, or of course you could go Alan Watts, who's a Zen. You know, a lot of people, there's a lot of people who teach these ideas in a way that's easier, easily received rather than just going and 
reading, you know, the original text, of course. I wouldn't even try to do this. Right? So, like, if you find, like, at the, you should start with just saying, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to try not to be insincere or dishonest. Right? That's what Robert Downey was talking in that video. He says, look, just pick what you're going to do today. Just what are you going to do today? So many of us want to go get the job, get the girl, get the kids back, get the house back, get, get all this fucking shit. And we can't even be honest. You know, I've been working at this shit for seven years. I still struggle in being honest with myself more than anything. This is who I am and this is how I feel. Lao Tzu said, fill your bowl to the brim and it will spill. Keep sharpening your knife and it will be blunt. Chase after money and security and your heart will never unclench. Care about people's approval and you will be their prisoner. Do your work, then step back. The only path to sincerity. I love that, man. Do what you can do. Stop worrying about everything else. Do what you can do. Gentle attitude was his third one. Attitude is, first of all, attitude is always something you can control. And you know if you have a shitty attitude, you're not trying to control it. If you were, you wouldn't have a shitty attitude. At least, you would have a lesser shitty attitude, right? Like, But you would also be saying, hey, I'm trying, I'm trying. And when it, Have you ever had somebody who has a shitty attitude who stops themselves and say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm just, they kind of gather their, they, they state their intention to you. I'm not trying to be like this. It's almost as if the, it absolves them of anything because they're being real. They're saying, hey, I'm struggling. I'm not trying to be a dick. You know, Wayne Dyer has a good book on intention if you guys want to check it out. Being gentle and having a good soft attitude, walking with softness is like an umbrella for forgiveness, you know, acceptance and love. And when you do this, people around you want to do it more. Lao Tzu said when Pure sincerity forms within. It's outwardly realized in other people's heart. The issue with this is, is the negative is true as well, and it's more powerful. We as humans have a negative bias, and most people have a default negative mode state. And we, it's contagious as fuck, man. This is why it's so important to keep yourself around good people. And lastly, supportiveness. You know, if you're feeling, an, and this isn't just supportiveness to others, you need to support yourself. And if you're feeling emotional, nurture yourself. If you're struggling, nurture yourself with kind words, with loving actions, self-care. And a lot of people don't get this. A lot of people means the, say this means be comfortable. You know, if you are really struggling and you have no energy, I'm not saying rest more. Usually that means you need to get your butt moving more to get more energy. Require your body to have more. We need to be naturally supportive of others. When we give to others, when we share, we support them, we feel a little bit better. And we gives meaning to our life. It's about service, and this is why AA puts so much service work emphasis. AA got so much right, man. These four virtues, if they're fully embraced, it brings a happiness to your life. Right? The Wayne Dyer said... The four cardinal virtues are a road map to the simple truth of the universe, to revere all of life, to live with natural sincerity, 
to practice gentleness and to be in service to others is to replicate the energy field from which you originated. Lastly, Lao Tzu says this quote that explains my life. And he says, vision without action as a dream. If you're thinking about the life you want and you're not acting to go get it, you'll never get it. Vision without action is a dream. But here's the second part to this. Action without vision is a nightmare. If you're not acting in a way that takes you towards your vision or acting with an, a vision in mind, your why, I have a whole podcast and article on this, why are you doing what you're doing, then you won't get there. And if you act without a vision, you're living unconsciously and you'll end up in a nightmare. I love you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I worked real hard on it. Get ready for the next one. We'll be talking a little bit about Confucius and maybe the Buddha. Um, but a lot of Chinese philosophy is in fully encompassed just talking about Lao Tzu. Vision without action is a dream. Action without vision is a nightmare. What do you want? Start going for it. <laughs>